York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. See, this is the music of the Sliwa household, Calvin Harris. I think I would say that's our favorite, if we had to choose one favorite of electronic dance music. Yes, that would be our favorite. And uh, you can party hardy to this, to the break of dawn. Yeah, Calvin Harris. So don't be frightened when you hear electronic dance music. It's really good stuff. And although it's basically... Young Huckleberries like yourself, Nancy, who listen to it. Yes, I'm a young Huckleberry. It is uh, my choice out of all the different music that I play here at WABC as an intake and outtake from different uh, items that we discuss. I love electronic dance music. But now, this is our holiday extravaganza. We do it. Uh, we've made this a tradition here at WABC, Nancy and I, both for Thanksgiving. We've done it for Christmas, New Year's, because we realize as festive occasions as it is, there are a lot of people who really are down and out. They're very depressed because they can't be with family or friends. They're shut in, or maybe they couldn't get away for whatever reason to be with family and friends. And we know that they have a friend of their own here at WABC all the time, not just during the broadcast week, but also special times like holidays where we don't have best of, which is really worst of. And we made that a family tradition. So just give me an idea. What was it like in the Regula household growing up? Because that's your maiden name, Regula. What was a typical Thanksgiving like? Um, let's see. Being woken up early so that you can clean the house for several hours before people arrive and uh, making, you know, a lot of food, um, just so much food that you have to take a nap sort of thing. Uh, you know, a lot of people visiting, uh, really just, you know, uh, a nice day. I mean, I know there's always be like football on in the background. I don't watch football, but it'd always be on in the background because someone's watching it. Um, and you grew up in a, pred- a predominantly Polish uh, correct, yeah, correct. family. Mm-hmm. So you had all the traditional Polish delights and then the American uh, delights added onto that turkey and mashed potatoes and gravy? Yeah, I think in terms of the the Polish delights, it was pretty much um, exclusively kielbasa and 
sauerkraut pierogies. That's that was a big one too. So yeah, that was uh, that was pretty much it. Did you have a pierogi, uh, a huge pierogi that was made to look like a turkey for Polish Thanksgiving? N- no, but I I do remember w- once my dad got really into having us all make pierogies so we would learn the tradition, and then we all had to sit there and finish our pierogies, and we couldn't go to bed unless we did. And my one brother didn't want to eat it, so we all had to stay up <laughs> until he finished the pierogies. It's more like traumatizing holiday memories I have, I think. Wow. So Thanksgiving is not your favorite holiday. Halloween is. <laughs> Halloween's great. Halloween's just all fun. So this is interesting because your dad was actually born and uh, raised in Poland, right? Correct. Correct. And then you were born in Greenpoint, where it seems all Polish can uh, trace their roots. And then uh, you migrated out to Bohemia in Suffolk County. Yeah, that's and I, I spent most of my time there um, until I moved back to Brooklyn when I went to law school. So once I got back to Brooklyn, I, I knew I was home in the city. Now, see, I was raised in Brooklyn, and uh, we would have our Thanksgiving dinners, many of them over at my Aunt Mary's house in Old Howard Beach. And it's a lot different than in a Polish household because when we would visit my dad's family on the Polish side in Chicago, they'd have pretty much the same kind of a Thanksgiving Day spread that your family was used to. In the Italian household, totally different. Ten courses, 12 courses, and it always had the brajol in the early courses. And what my uncles would do to sort of gross us out is they would say one yan, which means kid. You know what brajol is? And I would say, yeah, Uncle Steve, it's meat. Well, no, it's not just any kind of meat. It's horse meat. And so naturally, no kid wants to eat horse meat. Because you think of a horse, right? You think of the horses galloping out there in the fields. Frolicking. Or maybe at the racetrack. And they say, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, it's it's, uh, horse meat. And they would have the toothpicks in it with uh, the little uh, string attached was to it, it. Was it in the shape of a horse or no? Well, after that, you didn't even want to eat the brachiole. And so naturally, what would they tell you? You got to eat everything on your plate because there are starving kids in India trauma. or in China. Yeah, the trauma. They would tell you that, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You got to eat every morsel off your plate because there are starving children uh, in China and India who have nothing to eat. Yeah, it, it, again, very traumatizing. Like, that's why you don't take more than you know you're going to eat because it does lead to that problem. So you start with the uh, bowl of soup, the tortellini in the broth. Then you had the brajol. Then you had the managotta. Then you had uh, lasagna. Then you had raviolis. Then eventually you worked your way around to the American fair, Turkey. And I always, always knew... Order the dark meat. So my uncle, uh, Vincent, he would carve up the turkey. He was the butcher. And I would always order the dark meat because nobody wanted the dark meat. They all wanted the white meat. So I used to be able to get seconds because let me tell you, this was a huge Italian-American family. For some strange reason, they didn't want the dark meat. And then my cousins, some of them wanted the giblets. Who the hell would eat the giblets from the from the turkey? I mean, you got to be a real gavone. And then naturally the gravy. The gravy was very special. And you had the mashed potatoes. And then you had the uh, the coffee and the dessert. And everybody was smoking cigarettes and then playing cards. It was like, it was an entire day affair from about 12 noon to maybe 10 o'clock at night. 
before all the food was consumed. And then naturally everybody got to take leftovers home because it was always plenty of leftovers. Always part of the tradition of an Italian-American family, especially for Thanksgiving. Yeah, no, the leftovers is a is a big part, too. Um, I mean, you go home with things that you can't possibly eat for weeks. No, <laughs> not, not possibly eat at all. But I got to tell you, it was a great way to grow up. Kids were always divided from the adults. Adults sat at the table. They played cards. They did their gossiping. They smoked cigarettes. And all the kids were at the kids' table. We couldn't wait to break out. You know, but they wouldn't let you leave until you finished eating all your food on the plate. And back then, this is long before you were birthed, uh, Nancy, we would start watching TV. They had first the parade from Philadelphia. It was sponsored by the big department store there up like Broad and Market Street. Then you had the parade in Detroit that was sponsored by another huge retail establishment. And then you had the annual Thanksgiving Day, Macy's Day Parade. You know, you're reminding me of something, too. Another thing that we would do if there's, um, you know, they would have the marathons. So either of two things. So the Twilight Zone Marathon or the Honeymooners Marathon. Either of those would be like an all-day affair. If you had to choose between one or the other. Oh, boy. that's The Honeymooners or the Twilight Zone. You know what? That's a real tough one. I mean, for the occasion, I would go with Honeymooners because it's more fast-paced. Like, I just like the the city humor, the Brooklyn humor, like the comedy approach. The Twilight Zones are great, but they're every single one is thought-provoking. Like, I I don't have time for that on Thanksgiving. Oh, no, no, but see, since I grew up in Brooklyn, I had the Honeymooners 24-7-365. Great show. (laughs) So although I didn't live next to a bus driver and his wife... With Ed Norton, who was the sanitation engineer, you know, the sewer engineer with his wife. I love the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Some of the greatest men and women went on to be stars and starlets, got their start on the Twilight Zone. How many actors? Like Robert Redford. Yep. um, I I, I mean, every young actor and actress, that was like their debut show. Oh, it was great. And including a man who went on to stake his fame, Mayberry RFD. Oh, yeah. Oh, and that's I'm, right. He was on that, too. I remember that. That's right. And I'm not talking about uh, Deputy Barney Fife. Ron Howard, right? Yeah. I'm not talking about that. Anyway, up next, uh, as we reminisce uh, on this a special Thanksgiving Day extravaganza, great news to announce. The weekly animal welfare show that Nancy and I have been doing now for over a year at night on Sundays, uh, 10 to 11, will now be syndicated across the nation. That was the word given by John Katsimatidis, our owner and operator, and Chad Lopez, our capo de tutti of our parent company, Red Apple Media. It'll be uh, probably starting up before the beginning of the year. And that means we'll be able to talk about all kinds of animal issues that so many people are just totally wrapped into because whether you love Biden or you love Trump or you're apolitical or you're independent and autonomous, Most people, not all people, but most people love animals sometimes more than people. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Another selection by Nancy Sliwa, also one of my all-time favorites that I play from time to time. Godfather of soul, soul brother number one, James Brown, living in America. And it sort of brings us to the story, Nancy, that you have posted up on uh, my social networking, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, not yet on TikTok. But the story of Yolanda Mendoza, 22-year-old woman from Florida, an American by birth, down on her luck, living in the streets of Coney Island, a block from Nathan's Famous, right on Coney Island, Stillwell Avenue, nine months pregnant, right there in the open for all to see. A few days ago, Eric Adams, the mayor, had a town hall meeting in nearby Lincoln High School, which is right on uh, the Bell Parkway, off the Bell Parkway, not that far from Coney Island. This woman is living out in the streets. She's nine months pregnant. The Coney Island Guardian Angels have been looking after her. We finally told her, look, they don't take care of our own any longer. you got to be an illegal alien. you got to be a migrant. Yolanda, you speak Spanish, right? Just tell them you're from Venezuela. They'll probably put you in the maternity ward at uh, NYU Langone, and when you get out, they'll put you at the finest hotel in town at $400 a night. It's really crazy. Now, when you first saw that story that we sent to you from the Coney Island Guardian Angels, I know you and some others said, this can't be so. A nine-month pregnant woman living out in the streets and nobody doing anything about it. Yeah, I mean, sadly, it it wasn't completely surprising, just given what's going on in the city. Um, you see way too many people out there who don't have the ability to find their way to where they need to go. So this idea of going somewhere, well, it's great, except that she was somewhere and they told her to leave. So how many times can you follow that protocol? I mean, you're not, I mean... The situation, you're not much pregnant. I mean, she doesn't have the ability to figure out these resources, but it, even if she did go to them, they're not available. So this is, you know, the city's dropping the ball. They're not helping people. Imagine you're nine months pregnant. You're in a shelter. 
they tell you that you'll have to leave the shelter. They're making room for the illegal aliens, migrants coming in. You're able to stay a little longer since you speak Spanish and you're able to do interpretation of the Venezuelans that they were bringing in. And then you're told there's no more room at the end. you got to go. And you look at them and say, my only alternative, since I'm from Florida, I don't have friends or relatives here, is to live in the streets, nine months pregnant. Basically, it's saying tough noogies. I mean, and, and again, it, it, it goes to show the level of inefficiency going on in the city government. There's backlogs of people who they know need services because they've already done the paperwork. They've been processed. They've gone through the system. They can't actually get to the final step of getting them the, the resources they need. Like, what are they doing? This woman, you can find out there living under the scaffold on the building across the street from Nathan's Famous on Stillwell Avenue in the old Half Moon Hotel, which has never been put under reconstruction. I mean, it's famous because the Brooklyn DA had held there as a witness against uh, Murder Incorporated, Lefke and Gura at the time when the Jews ran Murder Incorporated, a guy named Abe Rellis. And he ended up being pushed out of the top window, proving that you could not fly in Brooklyn. <laughs> he was smashed to smithereens on Stillwell <laughs> Avenue. That building is still empty. It's still a relic. It still has scaffolding around it. Oh, but if you happen to pass by today, please stop. Most of the time, this woman, Yolanda Mendoza, is there. Any moment, she may end up having her child. And uh, she'll stay behind the bus barrier, the B-36 bus barrier. As I said, our guardian angels are taking care of her. But when we've gone to the shelters and try to find her space in there, they say, sorry, we're, we're, we're too full. Too full with illegal aliens, but not for Americans. I, I mean, again, it's just, it's... I don't think anyone can, you know, who's been on the subway, you know, they have the same story, which is you can't go to one location without seeing a series of people who need help. It's it's like an open air, um, you know, sort of mental health, uh, you know, and, and again, homeless people living in the subways, they're there. You can find them. You don't need to search and look for them. Just go to all the subway stations. They're there. They're not only there, the majority are African-American, they're citizens of the United States, some are veterans. Uh, every every morning when I come to WABC, I take the trains, and I send you the pictures to post. And within a half hour, an hour, I already have 12 pictures and videos. This morning, on my way in to join John Katsimatidis and uh, Andrew Giuliani, I met two homeless guys at 53rd and 7th. That's the station you used to take because you worked upstairs as an e-attorney for a law firm, a very busy station. One guy said he had run for mayor of Linden, New Jersey at one point, and all of a sudden his whole life came apart. And he's living in the subway station there. He's cognizant. He's having a conversation. I'm believing that, in fact, he did run, and I'm going to double-check that because I, I did a video of it. He knew that I had run for mayor of New York City, so we were comparing notes. And I said, Guy, how did you end up living in the subway station of the E, the D train, the B train at 53rd and 7th Avenue? While right upstairs, you had all the parents and grandparents getting together with their children and grandchildren to find a spot along the parade route to watch the Thanksgiving Day Parade that would start at about 9 or 9.30. 
And he told me a story that indicated he just, when, when his life began to um, unravel, he had no secondary family to appeal to. And so he was forced to live in the streets. Mm. And they told him, no room in the shelter. Because A, he was an American, B, was from New Jersey. Then within minutes, I'm talking to another guy who I remember from the Bronx. Like half these people, when we do the videos, I, I seem to have had some kind of relationship with them over the years. He's smoking the meth pipe. He shows it to me. Tells me why he's smoking it. I, I didn't buy it. He said he had cancer. He had a lot of problems. Very lucid. Yeah, I don't think that's going to help. Every, I, I mean, he explained his circumstance, why he was living in the subway sure. station. And you say to yourself, on this day that we have so much to be thankful for, we could easily take care of these people. Easily. We've proven that now, that we're taking care of all these illegal aliens. And yet, if they were to go to the Roosevelt Hotel, because I've asked them, have you gone to the Roosevelt Hotel? In this case, earlier this morning, both men had not. They would be told, are you American? Yes. There's no room for you here at the Roosevelt Hotel. A thousand rooms. We pay $400 a night to house illegal aliens there. And there's no room for Americans in distress. That's crazy. And they're all in the subway. It's going to get worse as it gets colder. You right. see them every day in the subway. No, every uh, yeah. day. I mean, and they, and you can see people. It's, I mean, again, it's the the combination of people who have their all their belongings in a shopping cart, you know, down and out people, and then the people who clearly are, uh, you know, drug addicts. They have all the paraphernalia around them. People standing like zombies, um, you know. And then again, just the, the mentally disturbed people, where you can tell they're very disheveled. They might, you know, not be wearing appropriate clothing. It's freezing out, and they have on shorts and and you know, I mean. Just totally unhealthy and, and unhinged, unfortunately, in a lot of instances. And yet, you go to my social networking, and we post the videos, and we post the photos. When you see the videos, some of these people, are, they, they, they've got character. They've got stories to tell. They're lucid. They're cogent. And most times, they may have some kind of mental impairment. They may be in need of medication. Uh, they may have been traumatized. But for a lot of them, we don't even realize it, they can't find affordable housing. They get kicked out. No affordable housing for you. So you're out in the streets, the subways, the parks, and now you would think, okay, what about all the housing for the illegals? I mean, the, No the, housing for them. And the idea of the affordable housing, you have people now who are fully functional working jobs who are being priced out of living here. So to think that someone who has none of those support systems is going to have the wherewithal to put together the resources to find housing, is that's ridiculous. There's no way they're going to be able to do that. And, and again, just being irresponsible. These people need help. You're ignoring them. How many people on this Thanksgiving are so thankful that they have a place to cop a squat? They have a room of their own. They have an apartment of their own. A lot of people don't realize it's a very special thing to have in the city of New York now. Now, let me ask you about this. There are some dishes. I made a list of things that are old-fashioned dishes, probably served before your time, uh, Nancy. But certainly within the heyday of when I was growing up in the late 50s and the early 60s. Things that were so common at a time like Thanksgiving, and you don't see them served any longer. The jello salad at a dinner where you would have green mold jello put on the plate. 
next to like your roast beef, asparagus tips, things like that. Mold green jello, where they, it was in a mold and then they would plop it on your plate. Did you ever have that, Nancy? I mean, I've had jello, not in that format, though. <laughs> I got to tell you, it's mostly when I've been to Presbyterian households, Methodist households, because when it comes to food, they're so frugal. You only get one serving. One serve. Now, you can drink all the scotch you want. You could clean out the liquor cabinets and drink all of their scotch. But you get one serving, and if you ask for seconds, it's like you committed a sin. Single slice of roast beef. Maybe four <laughs> asparagus tips, right? Yeah. A little bit of, uh, uh, I'll call it um, potatoes. You know, but it's out of the box, what do you call that? Uh, when you make uh, mashed potatoes out of a box. Yeah. <laughs> it's stuff you don't want. But they, they said, don't worry about it. Wash it down with scotch. You can have as much scotch as you want. So there is something called jellied consomme. Have you ever heard of that? Jellied consomme. No idea what that is. It's a molden gelatin dish. Molden. With Used, mold? Yeah. Or no. The shape no, of the a mold. mold. The oh. mold. Used to be very common. No. In Italian households, Clams Casino. I've heard of that. I don't know what it is, but it sounds like festive and uh, it's, it's nothing to do with the casino, right? You don't see it anymore. Gambling clams? Now, you're into salads. And by the way, let me make this declaration. Because of your guidance uh, and direction, I no longer eat red meat. I no longer eat any fowl or chicken. I no longer even eat fish. Recently, I was in an event for our very dear friend, uh, Johnny Rivera, whose uh, son died of a cancer that only children get, DPIG. And you ordered the fish for me. And and, it's my, I knew it was going to come back to me my fault somehow. Guys. I know. I didn't want it. <laughs> I actually got sick. I can't even eat the, the fish fault. nowadays. I will admit I've had chicken soup. Yeah. But I've given up. It's almost like where Eric Adams, when I ran against him, he claimed he was a vegan, although he's actually a vegetarian. I was a uh, uh, eater of meat. Mm. Now I've become almost not quite a vegetarian. Uh, uh, almost there. As you're moving in the direction of being a vegan, I have like two eggs a day. And I'll have some chicken soup sometimes. But I'm slowly morphing away from all the things that I used to eat as I approach my uh, 70th birthday next year. I mean, it's it's a healthier lifestyle. First of all, besides the fact of, obviously, you know, from an animal perspective, I don't think it's right to do that. But beyond that, I mean, if from a health perspective, it, it makes no sense. There's so many alternatives that can lead you to having a very, you know, long, healthy lifestyle and there's a lot of negative things that are associated. So you really have to, you know, I mean, again, if you want to feel better and you want to do what's right, you know, you, now, you when, start what, thinking about it. You love salads. Did you ever hear of a Waldorf salad? <laughs> I've, I've heard of the Waldorf Hotel. No, Waldorf salad. <laughs> no, that was know. common when I, I was growing up. A Waldorf salad. If I would order a Waldorf salad now, they'd look at me if I was speaking a foreign what's language. What's in it? Oh, a Waldorf salad? They have all kinds of chopped apples, celery, um, mayo, walnuts, grapes. I mean, it was the first time oh, I looked at it, it yeah. didn't look to me like a salad. Yeah, that doesn't sound very salad-y No, to me. there were a lot of people who used to have their Waldorf salad. And then you go to a Chinese restaurant, and I would order chop suey. They used to be called chop suey joints, not Chinese restaurants. And they don't even know what the hell I'm talking about anymore. I said, before this was a Chinese restaurant, 
It was a chopped suey joint. I want a bowl of chopped suey. And when I went at Wohop recently, Wohop 2, not Wohop 1, I ordered chopped suey and they almost threw me out of the restaurant down in Chinatown. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. I feel so close to you right now. It's a force field. I wear my heart up on my sleeve like a big deal. Your love bars down on me, surround me like a waterfall. And there's no stopping us right now. I feel so close to you right now. This is the music of the Sliwa household, electronic dance music, Calvin Harris. It's the theme uh, that I've used in my uh, campaign for the mayoralty. So close. Oh, yes. So close, yet so far away. The news of the day, which you'll be following up on because Greg Kelly is warming up in the bullpen. Great family guy. I believe he has two daughters, so... They're at that age where the Thanksgiving Day Parade is like, oh, it's like the world to them. Uh, As I'm sure it was to Greg when he was young and growing up, never was to me. Uh, That's the one thing. Never wanted to go to the Thanksgiving Day Parade. That was for everybody who lived outside of the city. It's like the dropping of the ball at Times Square. Nobody from New York City went for the dropping of the ball. That That was for... Tourists and those that live in the suburbs, if you were from the city, that's the last place in the world you wanted to be on New Year's Day going into New Year's. But one thing that we are celebrating was the announcement earlier today on the morning show with our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, and the president of our parent company, Red Apple Media, that the animal welfare show that Nancy and I have done every Sunday night now for over uh, a year will be nationally syndicated from coast to coast across the nation because everybody realizes in this political era where people um, are very partisan, divided, most people love animals. Yeah, It actually is the one time you can get somebody who voted for Biden and talk to somebody who voted to Trump. And what is the thing that you would like to accomplish, um, Nancy, in being able to talk to the nation about animal welfare issues? Well, I mean, obviously, um, in every way possible, draw attention to what's going on with them. So, you know, I don't want them to be, you know, I, I think there's a lot of things that people do. They don't realize how they're harming animals. So, for instance, you know, we have animal testing, people not eating animals, the way that they're raised, um, you know, everything that has to do with protecting animals and then also caring for animals. I mean, so many people, they love their pets, but, you know, we're accustomed to thinking of them as, you know, they can take care of themselves and but, you know, the more you know, we, they're part of our family, the more you want to be able to keep them with you forever help, healthy. So, you know, bringing that into the equation as well. And we have found uh, in our travels and in our conversations 
that people would much rather talk about their pets sometimes than about their sons and daughters. They uh, will pull out pictures of their cats and dogs before their children. That's right, and tell you all different <laughs> kinds of stories. And they really feel that their their dog or cat friend or other animal friend are closer to them than some of their family members, extended family members or friends. And the other thing that we strive for, we're always promoting, is no-kill shelters. Absolutely. And, you know, again, making sure that you spay and neuter your, your pets so this way we don't have so many in the shelters who are unwanted. And, yeah, you got to make sure that you get the no-kill shelters. That's key. And understand that most times if you sacrifice your animal for whatever reason to a local shelter, there's a very real chance that if they cannot adopt that animal out or foster that animal out, that animal will be destroyed, will be euthanized. Yeah, so you just want to help people keep their animals. It could be some problem they just don't realize if there's services out there, there's a health issue, maybe the landlord saying, oh, you can't move in with a pet. You know, some, there's a lot of people that maybe you can reach out to who can help you. Yeah, and we have been in a whole host of shelters, not just in the city of New York. We've been in shelters where we have guardian angels in Baltimore and Fort Lauderdale. And to walk in there and see the dogs and the cats and how miserable they are and how sad they are and yeah. frightened they are. Yeah, to call it a, a shelter is, is, is not doing justice. It's really a warehouse, and you don't see them. You don't, you, all you do is hear screams and cries, and it's almost impossible to get a, your hands on them to even view them if you wanted them. And Nancy's idea that we're going to work on is with all these empty storefronts, and it's even going to become emptier uh, here in the city, why not? Put the dogs and the cats and the other animals that are in the shelter in the windows. Have people take care of them. They could do it voluntarily. And I guarantee you, as people walk past, especially in a Christmas-like season where they're, they're window shopping, you remember that song, How Much Is That Little Dog in the Window? Now you wouldn't be paying for the little doggy. You'd be taking that dog or that cat or that other animal home and... Giving them a home of their own. Yeah, that's the only way you're going to fall in love if you see them. Exactly, because the way shelters are run now, they're out of sight, out of mind. Anyway, up next, it's Greg Kelly. Yep, live and local programming continues this Thanksgiving.